Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Caged In Presents Copeland Connections, as ever brought to you by the Breadcrumbs Collective and hosted by me, Petros Patsilvis. This is episode 45 and it's a real doozy for you guys. Um, I was joined by the fantastic Ethan Lawrence to talk about a film that even now we have no idea if it has or had a Copeland connection or not. Uh, it will be explained in the episode, but I'll give you a little bit of um, preamble up front so you can be caught up to speed. Um, Patricia Arquette was supposed to be in this film, apparently, according to Wikipedia. So this whole episode may be a reminder not to trust Wikipedia for anything like all of your teachers told you at school and university. Um, but here we are anyway. We thought we'd, we'd record this episode and it would be fun. And we've put the feelers out to people. Um, find out is there any validity to the to the claims or not even claims to the to yeah to to Patricia Rocket ever having been in this film and that film is uh, Lady in the Trump Two Scamp's Adventure and uh, yeah there's gonna be spoilers we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna spoil that adventure for you on this episode it's everything so if you haven't seen this film you can watch it on Disney Plus right now. And if anyone listening happened to work on this film in any capacity, please don't hesitate to get in touch. Um, yeah, we would love to hear from you because uh, there's a lot of mysteries. So I guess all that's left to do is to head down a back alley, eat some spaghetti, join a gang of dunk- junkyard dogs, and run away from home from your uh, pretty life as we make some Coppola Connections. This week, we're here to solve a mystery, one that has plagued me for all of two days. The film we are looking at is the 46 years belated straight-to-video sequel to a Disney classic, Lady and the Tramp 2, Scamp's Adventure, released on February 27th, 2001, directed by Daryl Rooney 
and Janine Roussel. And written by Bill Mox and Bob Roth. The film stars Scott Wolf, Alyssa Milano, Chaz Palmolteri, Jeff Bennett, Jodie Benson, and according to Wikipedia, today's Coppola connection, Patricia Arquette. Which brings me to our mystery. As she is listed on uh, Wikipedia as voicing a beaver. However, there aren't any beavers in this film. Joining me to try and crack this case and cover this film, even if it may not have a Coppola connection, is an actor who has a love for the film Bulletproof Monk. And some may know him as Mr. Comedy, but most of you will know him as Ethan Lawrence. How are you today, Ethan? I'm very, very well. I know exactly where you got that information from. (laughs) (laughs) And I will be giving, I'm not even going to mention him by name. I'm not going to give him the dignity. Yeah, on his birthday as well. Fuck you, unnamed person on your birthday. I'm yeah, sure you'll be listening. Take to that. <laughs> so I, I, I do want to ask you: uh, Is there any validity to Bulletproof Monk being your favourite film? Or uh, there absolutely is validity to Bulletproof Monk being up there among my favourite films. Uh, I, I tend to do it sort of as a bit of a joke. I do genuinely love that film to pieces and could watch it any day of the week. My actual favourite film is Singing in the Rain, but it's funnier to say Bulletproof Monk, and I'll always go for the funnier option than the true option whenever I can. Perfect. Well, yeah, as um, many many listeners may know you from being in the, well, the, the hit Netflix show Afterlife. Uh, I don't want to obviously, I'm, I'm sure you probably talk about it all the time, but an aspect of it I'm fascinated about is obviously, especially in season three, your kind of scene partner for a lot of it is the fantastic David Earl as Brian. Yes. What is that experience like working with, for for, for my money, a a comedy genius? I used to go to his like long running Brighton uh, comedy night, getting to know you. For sure, yeah. Was always just like, I I never wanted to approach him at the bar just in case I got David because I I just like the 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 mystique and the kind of mythos of Brian is is so fantastic and fascinating. I'll tell you when those glasses go on and the shoulders start to hunch and you're like, oh, here we go, here we go, it's on. Best hold on tight because it's gonna be it's gonna be a wild ride. I I mean, in answer to your question, it's brilliant. It's an absolute joy. Um, The the trick is trying to keep a straight face. Yes, I can imagine that. Yeah, yeah, like. (laughs) Were you a fan? Obviously, because obviously, yeah, the character of Brian Gittins kind of been knocking about for years. Were you aware of? I'll be honest, I wasn't, um, uh, which is a failing on my part, not on his. Um, but you know, as soon as I, as soon as I got the idea of what was going on, I was like, oh, okay, I, I, I see what's happening here, <laughs> and then sort of went backwards from there, uh, which is you know is as good a way as any. Uh, to get into someone's work, I suppose. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, you get to get to work with them firsthand and be like, oh no, this this character has been established through YouTube videos, kind of all sorts. And I know that he's been around for decades. Yeah, and it's like as we're talking now, it's, we're just about to see the release of he's got a film coming out, right, called like Brian and Charles, which he's taken the character of Brian Gittins to another kind of like realm entirely. Like because uh, when I did, he, I did his. Um, 
uh, podcast, Get, oh. Get Into France, and uh, Charles the Robot was a was a, was a part of that also. Yeah. So it's all part of the sort of Brian Kitten's extended universe. Yeah, yeah, that, that, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is an extended universe. I I want I, I want I, I want. Do you know what I mean? It shits all over the MCU. Ah, yeah, take, take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Yeah, well, I'll, have, I'll have the Brian Kitten's extended universe any day of the week. Um, I'll take it. I haven't yet seen the film, but um. Because it's you know it's been it's been doing the the, the circuit as yeah, it yeah. were, uh, but um, I believe it's out at time of recording. It'd be out this Friday. I'm not sure when this is going to release, but it would be this Friday if you're listening to this right now. <laughs> and if you're not, <laughs> it would have been last Friday, as this will be out uh, exactly a week today. A bit a little peek behind the curtain for listeners. Okay, so you will have missed opening weekend. <laughs> and if it doesn't do well on opening weekend, it may not survive. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we can we can we can we can we can get that kind of midweek tussle in that kind of opening after after the opening weekend. We'll we'll we'll, we'll get people's eyes on it. Don't worry, Ethan. We'll, Don't we'll... you worry about that. <laughs> We're going to keep David Earl in beer for the rest of his life. <laughs> amazing, amazing. So, um, one of the questions I like to open up with on this uh, podcast, obviously, it usually being about the Coppola family, although this film. For for all we know, does not have a Coppola connection, but we're we're here anyway. But we thought it did. <laughs> yeah, we thought it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure. Over the conversation, we'll get into um, some some very light kind of investigative work that I've I've been doing and kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you've been doing the digging because I watched the film before you did. I think. Yes. And um, I just it's just when I got to the end, and I was like. I'm reasonably certain I didn't see a single beaver. Mm. I could be wrong. So I watched it again the next morning and no, there's no. I, I, I was discussing uh, it with somebody just yesterday and I said, I, when you, when I, when I received your message, I then went on to IMDB and I was like, mm, yeah, it's not listed on IMDB. So that should have been my first point of call. And I think this, if anything, this episode is a kind of that same warning that teachers would have given you in school and like throughout university is use trusted resources. Don't use, you cannot like your bibliography better not read Wikipedia because you're going to like, it's going to be hack bullshit. As someone who, recently had a wikipedia page made for me uh, without me knowing uh i can i can absolutely concur that you, sometimes you don't have to believe everything you read on the internet is <laughs> ah uh, amazing i should I, I should have pulled that up for some we could have we could have, we could have, we could have scanned through it and you could have said bullshit fact bullshit bullshit to be fair i whinged about it on twitter and a lot of it got fixed so <laughs> <laughs> amazing i love it i love it um so yeah, the, the 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 first question I like to open up with is when did you become aware of the Coppola family? I know that Patricia Arquette is a kind of an interesting one because obviously she married in for a period uh, with Nicolas Cage. But yeah, when did you become? Was there like an entry point of a family member, or, or, or and then when did you kind of realise that there was this kind of sprawling network, as it were, of a kind of uh, yeah cinema family? Well, so so I was born in ninety two. Um, so when we when we first set this up, I was reasonably certain that it was this film that we're going to be looking at that would have been my first sort of uh, watching of a of, of a couple, however it may be. Yeah. Um, but it's obviously we now know that was erroneous. So then I was thinking, okay, well, where was the first time? Where's the first time that I definitely, definitely saw 
something like that. Because I, I wasn't much of a film buff growing up. I still wouldn't say I'm one now. Uh-huh. Uh, so I thought to myself, right, well, let's look at films around that time and think about what it is. I'm reasonably certain it would have been 2004's National Treasure. Oh, yes, please. Because yeah. I would have been 12 when that came out, which I think would be sort of, that's, that's around, that makes sense to me. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have got to the uh, to the the granddaddy Frank by that point. <laughs> um, I don't know. You could have seen Jack. I know that that's a film that like a lot of uh, a lot of kids. I don't watch. think I did though. I don't think I did. I'm re- I'm, re- I'm gonna I'm going on going on record bravely. I'm being very brave here, and I'm gonna say it was National Treasure. Uh, and then I remember it wasn't. It wouldn't have been too long after that that I found out that um, Nick Cage, uh, you know, belonged to this to this dynasty. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, since since then, I've sort of you know caught up and seen a fair few these days now. Yeah, it's, it's it's kind of hard not to like, to, yeah, to to not miss them because like in in this podcast, I've I, I covered the first Spider Man into Spider Verse because of the Nicolas Cage connection to it, and then like when the casting news came out, e- even if Nicolas Cage isn't in that film, Jason Schwartzman has just been cast as the villain in that film. So it's right, like, so, so it's like, it's they've like, got that everywhere. Yeah, it's like, it's, like, it's like, even if one couple is not in it, another one will fill their slot, like, in no time. So it's like, There's oh. enough of them about, it's fine. <laughs> or somebody might be, yeah, somebody might be working in, like, the production department or, so, or something like that. They kind of, like... Or, for example, just, just plucking a random sort of idea out of the air, um, someone might have included uh, Coppola uh, wrongly on a Wikipedia page for a straight-to-video <laughs> Disney film. So... Yeah, there's there's many things that could happen. Amazing, yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll start like I'll just start adding uh, their like their names into films on Wikipedia, just uh, just so I can cover them like films I really like. I'll be just like, just ones you like. Yeah, what do yeah. I want to talk about? Like, <laughs> did you know that Nick Cage was in Bulletproof Monk? He was. He was. <laughs> yeah, just so I can get you back on. Just so he can... played Sean William Scott playing Car. It was amazing. It was like face off. <laughs> Amazing, I laugh. Uh, yeah, that's, that is the that is the way, right? That is the kind of connective tissue. No, that was actually Nicolas Cage. Well, I mean, but, if you do eventually run out of Coppola films, which I think is probably unlikely, but if you ever do, that's <laughs> that's the next step. Just sabotaging Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, some of my evil evil plan starts right here. Um, so, have you ever met a Coppola? I know that obviously. Yeah, you. Working in film and TV, you're rubbing shoulders with people, people of that of the Coppola family. And not so far as I'm aware. Um, <laughs> but again, the issue that we have is that the roots one run so wide and so deep that there's every chance I could have met a Coppola and literally just not known. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've, I'll, I'll, I'll give the answer: never knowingly met a Coppola. That's I the. <laughs> I like that. That's very. That's a long and short of it. I imagine given the people that I've worked with that I'm no more than one degree of separation away uh-huh. from one. Yes. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, no, is, is my definitive answer. I, I always love that um, somebody once gave the answer. Well, I saw, um, I saw Phantom Planet play when Jason Schwartzman was the drummer. So I guess <laughs> I, I, was, I breathed the same sweaty air as him. Well, so in, that... in prep for this, I listened to your episode on Birdcage. Uh-huh. 
And I believe the answer was, I was once in a meeting room that Nick Cage had recently vacated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you want, right? Yeah, yeah. His must is still kind of lingering. <laughs> Some skin flakes, probably. Yeah, there's, there's like... No, there's, I imagine he doesn't produce skin flakes. I imagine his skin is, is remarkably pliant. There's, a, there's, a, there's the kind of waft of his kind of... I don't know, I imagine him to have like... Um, artisan kind of almost like antique aftershaves do you know what I mean or like it gets from an apothecary like he's combination he's... of that and like old dinosaur bones yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. He puts, yeah, yeah. He, he ground dinosaur bones just rubs it on his neck and stuff like he that. smells of archaeology and aftershave it's oh. it's a brilliant combination that's yeah that, that that's uh that's nick cage's autobiography there right uh I'll, I'll try and get in contact with him and say, Nick, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've been thinking of writing an autobiography, but I've got an absolute banger for you. I tell you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you've possibly answered. Uh, well, you you have answered this this next question, which what would have been the first? Oh no, well, yeah, what would have been? Seeing as Patricia Arquette would have been our um, connection for this, what would have been the first Patricia Arquette film you'd have seen? Not counting this because she's not actually in it. Now this I'm not a hundred percent sure on. This is this is one of those situations where I sort of perhaps maybe misread the question, <laughs> um, and so I don't have the answer to hand. Uh, what I can do is very subtly and very quickly, uh, without you even noticing, just nip onto IMDb, and it will be absolutely seamless, and you won't need to edit any of this out. It's going to be absolutely incredible. Just like ah, oh, incredible. Oh, here we go. Sorry, that weird noise was me just, uh, just so I know uh, if I have a little sound blip, it will say you need to edit around that point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, true romance. Oh, perfect. Of course. Perfect. Well, yeah. Why did that not pop into my head immediately? <laughs> yeah, which is oh, such a fantastic film. I recently talked. It's brilliant. About, uh, uh, yeah, I recently talked about that on another podcast and. I love it. I love it. It's, and it kind of works as a perfect double bill with a Nicolas Cage film with uh, Wild at Heart, the kind of these two films about these, I don't know, wild people. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a nice shot chaser arrangement. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think Wild at Heart is the kind of heavier one and then the, fl- the fun and fluffy one as a um, as true romance for the kind of chaser afterwards. And a connection to this film as well because uh, Bronson... Pinot is in uh, True Romance and also plays the French Bulldog in uh, Lady in the Trap 2. Do you, do you see what I mean about the sort of one degree of separation thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> <laughs> and I think, it, I think it very much speaks to my kind of like Rain Man-esque qualities I have gathered whilst doing this podcast. <laughs> right? <It's> like, <laughs> on this very specific subject, though. Yeah. Like, we can't take you to Vegas and start counting cards. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you can always go, uh, name any film, and I would tell you, like, how quick you can get from somebody who worked on that film, uh, worked on this film, worked on that film, worked with Nicolas Cage, bang. Do you know what I mean? Like, like how many quick degrees of separation you can do it. <laughs> it's so clean. I was looking, just looking through the Wikipedia, uh, sorry, the IMDb even as well, and I, I genuinely completely forgotten that she was in Nightmare on Elm Street 3 as well. Yes, yes. So yeah, fantastic in that film. A shame she never came back for the next one. Um... To a degree. I mean, <laughs> she got out while the going was good, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not to disparage anyone who was involved in those films, but it did drop off a bit after a certain 
a certain point. I think it's because they didn't have the caliber of actor like uh, a Patricia Arquette. They kind of had to. Uh, kind of Robert to... England can't be relied upon to carry the whole thing by himself all the time. <laughs> it's not his. It's not his prerogative. Like you know, he needs. He needs good actors to slice up as well. Exactly. Yeah. When you get to Freddie rapping, you know it's kind of uh, it's gone off. Oh the God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. Well, uh, let's talk about Lady and the Tramp Two, mm-hmm. Scamp's Adventure. Um, before we do that, can you give us a like a brief plot synopsis of what this film is about, Ethan? Okay, so after the events of Lady and the Tramp 1, uh, which was 45, 46 years before this, uh, in real time, but in uh, in film time, uh, uh, maybe a couple of years, uh, Lady and the Tramp are now living with their lovely family. They have a few puppies. Uh, three of them are girls that look like Lady, and one of them is a boy, Scamp, our hero for this adventure, who looks a little bit like Tramp. Uh, he wants to be a wild dog, he um, doesn't like the staid middle-class upbringing that he's getting. Uh, but Tramp is insistent that, you know, he doesn't actually want that because he's lived it, although he doesn't say that. That's one of the key plot points of this, is that Tramp tells lies constantly. <laughs> um, Scamp is able to escape uh, from the garden after witnessing a bunch of dogs uh, outrun uh, a guy from the dog pound. Uh, these are later introduced as the Junkyard Gang. Uh, who then set him up a series of trials to see if he's willing to join. Meanwhile, uh, back at the house, people are going crazy looking for Scamp because he's gone missing, and it all comes to a head uh, when it turns out that the leader of the junkyard dogs, yeah, he has it in for Tramp. <laughs> uh, so it's uh, there's all this like almost Shakespearean levels of drama uh, going on, uh, and all presented to... Uh, I'm going to be again. I, I I don't like to disparage people on these things like that, but I'm going to call it a fairly tepid soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, uh, yeah, uh, well, yeah. We'll get we'll, we'll get to the music. There's 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 one song in here that I, I kind of enjoyed. But, uh, so yeah. I'm wondering if it's the same one that I've written down oh. that, uh, in my literal notes here, saying this song slaps. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I think there was one of it was oh, it's a bit of a bop. This one, I'm 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 into this, and we'll we'll, we'll we'll get to it. So what is your yeah? What was your relationship with this film? Like, when did you first? When 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 would you have first seen it? Uh, so I'm I'm reasonably certain that this we had this on VHS mm-hmm. when I was a boy, because um, I was uh, was and still am really a, a, a Disney fan, <laughs> and uh, I, I remember I liked Lady and the Tramp, and then obviously this came out it's st- straight to video, so I never saw a theatrical release. But you know, it's it's just more more content, and it shut my little ass up, <laughs> uh, which you know is, is was the main thing to do when if you have a precocious ten or eleven year old. <laughs> who won't shut up and keeps asking questions. Um, then once the move um, to DVD came, um, I imagine it got lost in the shuffle. I mean, I hadn't seen it for, I mean, it's probably a couple of decades since I'd seen this film uh, before watching it again a couple of nights ago. Well, I, I had a little look as to like, yeah, did it ever get like a DVD release? And funnily enough, it got like in August uh, to, uh, yeah, in August to 2012. It got a DVD Blu-ray combo release. Wow, okay. But it's one of those weird things, you know, when they start, like, it's a weird thing that Disney have always done where they kind of, something's in the vault for a bit, it's out of the vault for a bit. And I think, like, this was out of the vault, yeah, on Blu-ray for, like, 
less than a less than a year. It was back. So August twenty first, two thousand twelve. It came out of the vault. It was released on Blu ray. April thirtieth, two thousand and thirteen. They were like, we're clawing it back into the vault. There's obviously films that have gone into the vault and we'll never see the the light of day again. I'm looking at you, Song of the South. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they're going to try and revive that one. No, 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 never, 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 and for, for many a good reason. Uh, but um, so this this particular film, it, it was coming out around the time when Disney was doing this a lot. Like uh-huh. there was a lot of yeah. straight to video, straight to DVD releases. I think slightly capitalizing on sort of like their refocused fire after the Silver Age. Yeah, well, because obviously there's a whole like thing that. This is yeah. This is the ninth one, and this would have been and then and all of them. So yeah, it starts in what ninety four with Aladdin two, the Return of Jafar. Then kind of it's a steady flow after that, right? Of these kind of like because one thing I definitely remember, you know, they used to do like you know pre roll trailers Uh on Disney VHSs quite a lot. Um, I God knows why this stuck in my head, but the trailer on the scant adventure was for um aladdin and the prince of thieves i think it was mm-hmm. uh, which was either the second or third rehash of the aladdin thing and i, I remember that very very distinctly um, and sort of looking back on it I, I really do think like after little mermaid came out and they sort of caught some of their fire back that they were just producing as much content as possible to sort of capitalize on on, on sort of like their newfound fire because you know the 70s and 80s wasn't a particularly great time for disney uh-huh. um i think that's fair to say i think we can yeah think, yeah we, we can say that yeah, yeah, <laughs> we, can, we, yeah we, we, we can hold our heads up and not not, not feel any shame with that like uh, yeah the, the fox and the hound wasn't that good all right <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 ended up getting a sequel in of course it did i think it's a pretty late one as well from looking at this list uh 2006 that got yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, um, 2006. Who's desperate for Fox and the Hound content in 2006? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I think from this list I'm looking at on Wikipedia, so it's got 24 of the kind. And of- we know we can trust Wikipedia. I'm uh, not Wikipedia, sorry. Uh, IMDb. <laughs> IMDb. This is on IMDb. I do apologize. Uh, uh, <laughs> there's 24 listed, like straight to straight to video um, sequels yeah and the latest one they've got run like here is little mermaid ariel's beginnings in 2008 um and one of the things i've noticed from looking at all of them is they all have a very tidy sub 80 minute running time for all of them yeah these were dosed out on the quick i think yes (laughs) like you know i mean i suppose it, it makes sense to a degree because like you know by by this point in disney's history like pixar is up and running and going uh-huh. they've got like you know they've had the, I mean, the 90s was an incredible decade mm-hmm. for disney absolutely incredible like you've got your aladdin you've got your beauty and the beast you've got your disney's hercules you've got tarzan tarzan yes i won an oscar for its soundtrack <laughs> like and it's a really really good soundtrack <laughs> i love it yeah the old film yeah yeah, was that Phil? Was that a Phil Collins one, right? That is the... it's absolutely Phil Collins. Yeah. He lives in you. He lives in me. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really remember being really into the Tarzan PlayStation game as well. Oh, I've still got it. Oh, the the there was there was that the Hercules PlayStation game. It was like a brilliant like it was done like a platformer and was like yeah, it was two D side side scroller, wasn't it? Yeah, and, it was amazing. Yeah. Like, I loved that. Like 
Yeah, they they were killing it. Like obviously, yeah, I'm, I was born in '91, so like this is very much like I was a sucker for all of this. I I hadn't actually seen Scamp's Adventure. I'm not sure as as for why. I'm not. Sure. I don't. I don't know. I mean, to be fair, 24 straight to video releases in a very quick succession. You can be forgiven for missing a couple. Yeah, I, I think around that time was probably. I don't know. I, I remember really being into the film Ant as a kid that was like I, so oh yeah i was i, was, it I came was, out around the same time as bug's life and there was a lot of sort of yeah <laughs> people were always talking about plagiarism but i think ants started development first and so it was this whole thing it's, and it's, it's it's a lot darker than a bug's life yeah and it's, it's it's that weird thing isn't it throughout film history where there's a kind of like well whether you look at like deep impact and armageddon there's always these two like every so often two films come out within like a six month period where they're kind of like Oh, that like like it must have been like DreamWorks heard that Pixar are, or Disney, yeah, Pixar are making a, a film about a- ants, and they're like, "Oh, why don't we try and do?" Or like one of them hears something, they're like, kind of compete, and then it's like, "Where's Woody Allen? He knows about ants." Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, what a weird kind. Of, Sylvester Stallone's in that film as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. Speaking of that, though, I, I was reading a book. I can't, I can't remember the title of it, but it was about um. Uh, like development hell. I think it was called something like Tales from Development Hell. Uh-huh. And one of the stories um, contained therein uh, was about when one studio had a film about like the Ebola outbreak called The Hot Zone, and another one had one called Outbreak, and it was based on this same news article. And there was like this arms race to try and get these two, <laughs> one film out in front of the other. And like, yeah, directors swinging from side to side, someone was attached and someone wasn't. Sean that. Connery comes in, he demands a complete rewrite. They do that, then he bails, and then I've got the wrong script, so I have to go back to the. Th- it was this whole thing, and that. the whole time they were like, like Mexican standoff with the other studio, going, "Oh well, how's how's your how's your production going? <laughs> ours, ours is going great. We've got uh, we've got all sorts of touch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got Harrison Ford. Yeah, well, we've got Catherine Zeta Jones actually. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, what are your kind of like general views on this? spate of uh like straight to video sequels like were you, were you lapping them up in the 90s um i wouldn't say lapping them up i mean i was i mean even back then i, I think i much preferred the proper features uh-huh. the one, I, I remember being absolutely obsessed with hercules the ones that had a number on the spine you know like yes <laughs> yes 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 yeah if it's got a number on the spine you know it's legit like the, the other and one. like you i remember being big into the um the video games also because uh, I mean, this was the the like the crowning moment of like video game tie-ins. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, Back yeah. with like Traveller's Tales, like that company, which just basically had that Disney had them on like speed dial, and they're like, "We're releasing this, make a game," <laughs> and so they would. Um, but yeah, I, I, not so much the straight-to-video ones, but certainly. Like I said, I mean that run of form in the nineties. Like looking back on it, it's crazy. Like, I, and I, I doubt they'll ever be able to replicate like just that just cavalcade of things coming out that were just all so brilliant. Well, yeah. Uh, and I mean, I, I remember loving Lady in the Tramp 2 Scamps Adventure as a kid as well. I enjoyed it immensely. And like bits of dialogue and like bits of songs, like always stuck in my head. Like even now, like having not seen it for so long, I still remembered bits of it. And like I found myself sort of jerking with astonishment going, well, I actually remembered that full sale. One of the things I will say, like off the bat with this, 
is for something that is because I know a lot of these kind of uh, director video sequels they kind of like cut corners on the animation a lot of the time mm. and one of the things I noticed with this is it is beautifully animated like it's kind of I don't know it looks do you know what I mean if it kind of had like a bit more I think the, the it's lacking in other areas but one thing it's not lacking in is the animation looks beautiful like i think they had it tied down by this point because they they were really struggling in the 70s and the 80s that's why some of those films really don't look that good like mm -hmm. robin hood for example it's really scratchy uh -huh. like you know it's it's not it's not great but i think by by then possibly with the involvement of um computers by that point yes uh because you know by then like their their ties with pixar were quite strong so i think they were just getting better at animation generally if you look at the edges of the thing, it doesn't look hand-drawn, I don't think. I think it is computer-animated, possibly, which is why it looks so crisp. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's got, it's, it's got a good look. It's got a good look to it. So, um, let's, yeah, let's talk. Let, look, well, let's dive into the, the voice cast in this. And um, yes. obviously, no, no, no returning voice cast, uh, I imagine? Uh, as far as I'm aware, no. But I think that's just a simple case of it being nearly half a century since the original <laughs> film came out <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't sure because i know mickey rooney's in this i wasn't sure if it was kind of like knocking about and would have done a voice when he was really young so they got him back just for like shits and giggles or anything like as, that. as far as i can tell from what i've looked at i don't think there's any returning cast although there are returning characters which is uh a bit odd i mean even even the uh yeah yeah spaghetti and meatballs guy makes a but he pops in for a cup of coffee yeah he pop he pop they, they 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 turn up twice and i've always had i don't know what it is watching especially once it's kind of like oh yeah look those two dogs are playing with some spaghetti the way they look in this film they look like a couple of like per like dog pervs they are kind of <laughs> like that oh go on go on yeah like that's you know I mean? it yeah like like they love genuinely love yeah, go they're, for it yeah they're like really like, like like they see a couple of dogs in the alleyway and he's like hey giuseppe giuseppe get get me those spaghetti and meatballs like we're gonna see some action tonight like, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing i like more than seeing two dogs copulate in the alley oh <laughs> Yeah, so, sorry to any Italian listeners for these. Uh, I'm not. Writers. I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to speak for me. <laughs> oh, yeah, they, 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 that, 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 that is just like the, the larger gentleman of the two. Like the kind of look in his eye is kind of a bit like, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna see something go. And there is, there is a few like questions to have on this because, I think, yeah, from from researching, this is set supposed to be set seven months after the events of the first film right seven months okay so and by by that standard if they had had puppies immediately i, I, can't, I can't remember the end of the first one if they kind of do if it ends with them having puppies or anything like that um i, I literally thought you were about to say if it ends with them having sex and i was like probably not mate. No, no, <laughs> come, on. come on ethan it was not. the 50s i think we were a bit stayed back then yeah but like <laughs> Yeah. Um, so we shit like because I'm I'm very I'm very confused in the kind of relationship dynamics throughout this because obviously Scamp is played and like animated and the character is supposed to be a puppy, right? That is yes. the kind of like so yeah. As you said in your synopsis, like he's this kind of like uh, 
puppy who, who who kind of I don't know if it's like predetermined like uh like there's something in him where he knows like a sense memory where he's like I'm meant to be a wild dog. Like there's something he knows. So like that, those old wolf genes can yeah, never yeah, quite yeah. go away. I, I mean, I suppose the implication is that he is Tramp's son. So, you know, there is maybe perhaps a little bit innate, but and it doesn't help that Tramp keeps lying. I mentioned that earlier. <laughs> like, <laughs> the amount of times in these notes, I mean, I've got, I've got six pages of notes here and on nearly every single page, there's some variation of Tramp's a dick. So, dude, like, is it like in this film it is established that Tramp's name is Tramp? Yes. However, how do the humans know that his name is Tramp? Because obviously he's coming off the street. I reckon it's a lucky coincidence. Or they've kind of sent they set they've kind of looked at him and gone Tramp. Stay at that. that yeah, <laughs> Trump. Trump. That's the that's the name we're going with. Because uh, yeah. Uh, it's on, not a nice on, name. Oh yeah, on the IMDb <laughs> trivia, it says like uh, early on in this film, Lady refers to him as Tramp, which she does not throughout the entire routine of the uh, of the original film. So in this one, it's like it's established that is his name. I thought, yeah, I always thought it was she was called Lady. Like we we hear that we hear that from the human characters for I, sure. But I thought it was yeah. Oh, it's just like. That is a, an adjective to describe him. He is a tramp. He's a. He's, do you know what I mean it could have always been called Lady and the Hobo or Lady and oh, the I mean, I suppose it, it, it smacks to me of just like scriptwriter admin. Yeah, and it, yeah, yeah. You know, they're, 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 just, they're just sort of like, right, well, you know, we've you know, we have to know who these characters are. Like, I, we'll I, just no one will notice, and then we come along and we're like, mm, actually, yeah. And it suffers from that classic kind of animated kid thing where it's like. The boy looks exactly like the dad. The girls look exactly like the mutt. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> I've written down as well that because the three the three daughters are sort of the classic Disney rule of three. Uh one's pretty, one's arrogant, and one's thick as pig shit. <laughs> and that's that's I mean you can see that going like it's in the Lion King with the hyenas. It's like you know, it goes all the way back. They love that trope. Yeah, because what um one of them, I know that, yeah, Colette, one of the uh, the, the, the daughters, is voiced by Kath uh, Sochi, who immediately, when I heard the voice, I was like, oh, that is Lil yeah. from Rugrats. I'm so glad you had that thought as well. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, my yeah, God. yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, that, that was like this, yeah. That is, and there is another character in this film where you go, oh, he's just doing his voice. From a TV show that we all know. And it's like, are you just a wonderful fine, pony? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> what popped into my head as well is um, that that uh, actress, sorry, what was her name? Kath I, I, Sochi. Kath Sochi. Um, she also, she, she's in video games a lot. I'm sort of bringing this back to video game chat. And I remember, I can't remember if she was in the original, but in Kingdom Hearts, right? Uh, in Halloween Town. Uh, when they're doing the Nightmare Before Christmas bit, she voices, uh, I think it's Locke, the little witch girl. Uh-huh. And it's so, her voice is so iconic. Like, yeah. Ah! Oh, I can't do it, but you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I won't try. I, re- I realised I was about to launch into an impression I was about 40% confident on. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Uh, well, so, so obviously with, yeah, Jeff Bennett as Trump and Jodie Benson, who I believe voiced... Uh, 
Ariel as well in um Oh, okay. At least in the um the sequel. Uh I'm not sure if she did the original. I can I can double check that, but um I mean it's I, possible they sort of had like, you know, a sort of stable, uh, right? Like how they had Yeah, like a, you know, a stock assembly of of good voice talent that isn't isn't too expensive, which means they can just rotate them through yeah. Especially if they're producing this many straight to videos, like you know, they can well, they yeah, can toss them out. Well, it's like even in their like uh mainstay stuff back in the day, like I'm pretty sure like Jim Cummings was like a kind of like mainstay and he voiced Winnie the Pooh, he also voices Car in uh The Jungle Book as well. Like, I'd have I'd have moaned. he voiced um Colonel Campbell and Metal Gear Solid as well. <laughs> Amazing, <laughs> I don't, who else? He voiced. He voices like a mouse in, a, like, I want to say Fox and the Hound or something like that as well. Because I remember, like, recently, um, I was I watched the Jungle Book uh, for the first time with my son. He's three years old, and uh, like, great time to watch that. Car, like, is it Car the the? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. It came on screen, and my son said. He sounds like Winnie the Pooh. And I was like, oh, what an astute little man. I was like, he's, like, <laughs> he's, oh, he's, he's gunning for your podcast. Yeah, he's like... He's going to take over. <laughs> he's already making these little connections and going, oh, like, like he's always... Yeah, like, it's almost like an understand... And, like, I, I explained to him, yeah, so this is what voice actors are and stuff like that. And it's, like, trying to, like, give him that peak behind the curtain of like uh he's on it that's amazing (laughs) well done little man (laughs) but yeah that's what i kind of love especially when you have people who have these long kind of storied careers in voiceover is like we were saying with the colette where it's like oh that's lil from um rugrats or something like that or or the other character where it's like oh that is patrick from uh, uh, <laughs> SpongeBob. Like, so, I mean, when you have like voice actors with that level of tenure, I mean, you know, I I, I do voice acting in my own work, uh-huh. uh, not to anywhere close to the extent that some of these veterans have. Uh, but you know, it's it's a it's it's a fun thing to do. It's like a yeah, it's it's, it's such a different discipline from sort of like camera acting. You have to sort of relearn a whole new set of rules. Because it's sort of you've almost got theatre of the mind stuff going on, like especially I imagine they do the voice recording before they do the animation. So yeah, so and, and this is something obviously. Is it a rule that what like obviously in like animation, if 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 you know this, that like they would record the voices like for people separately, or do they tend to like? Because obviously, a little bit of trivia for you is Scott Wolf. And Alyssa Milano, who both voice Scamp and Angel, respectively, who are love interests in this film, yes, were engaged in 1993 and called off the engagement in 1994. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine that being very awkward if they had to be in the same room. Because I know I've seen footage of, like, you know, like you see um, Tom Hanks and Tim Allen kind of there in the, like, bouncing off of each other or something like that or well in, in my experience i've always done it alone uh-huh. um so i mean then like the vast bulk of my uh voiceover career has taken place uh under covid protocols uh-huh. <laughs> so it's it, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> if that's standard or if i just came in at the wrong time i'd imagine a lot of it po- possibly is right because it's just getting the talent, do you know what I mean? Trying to figure out this, 
Oh, and it's probably like hosting a podcast where if you do it with one other person, it's like, oh, we just need to figure out two schedules. If it or like, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And then you factor in like, oh, we've got Tom Hanks, we've got Tim Allen. It's like, oh, Tim Allen's doing uh, Home Improvement. Like Tom Hanks is doing a, a million and one films. It's like, when can we slot them in both at the same time? They might like, do you know what I mean? Like, do you know, I've actually told a lie. I've told a fib to you. <laughs> Because I did a, I did a voiceover for um, Oatly. Amazing. Uh, the, uh, the 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 milk alternative. Are you, are you in that advert? The, 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 like, pu- with the no, puppets? Oh, yeah. That's, um, I, I, I did have a problem with that advert because it is very much similar to the animation, to, to the puppet style of... Uh, Don't hug me, I'm scared, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah some like... people got very cross with me about that. <laughs> and I was like, I, I, didn't, I didn't write it. <laughs> I didn't know what the puppets were going to look like until afterwards. I genuinely didn't. I just t- I just turned up and said words. I'm not responsible for any of this. Amazing. I love I just, it. But, but we did do that all in the same room. <laughs> Amazing. Um, Amazing. But I think that was, again, I think that was more for, as you say, I think it might have been more for chemistry. Yes. Um, because, like, I mean, the, the end of one of those adverts was a, like we improvised after the script had finished and we just kept going and going and going and going. And then to my shock, that made it into the advert. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, which was a thing. But yeah, that we, we we couldn't have done that if we'd have done that alone. So, I mean, who knows? I mean, 93, 94, by the time they would have been recording the voices for this, it probably would have been 2000. That's that's a long time. I mean, I don't know how acrimonious the, the split was. Um, you know, I wouldn't like to even offer a, conjecture on it really it's you know it's none of my business but you know it's work in it like you know you've got to got to be professional exactly yeah it's um but yeah in regards to the yeah the people who are playing the what what people would call now the legacy characters with uh tramp and lady how do you think they kind of match those voices from the original i didn't really see the join i I think it was I i think they did fine work you know, it, was it was it a one to one? Probably not. But oh. like, I'd need to hear them literally back to back. I think to be able to tell. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think they're kind of they're hoping that people are like it's been forty six years, guys. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah, and like they kept like ladies sort of like Southern Belle um, yes. accent, which I appreciated because I, I, I just like the sound of that accent. That's just that's just a little quirk about me. <laughs> <laughs> So shall we kind of, yeah, d- dive into, like, um, some of the plot? Yeah, so tell us some of the kind of like early scenes that you, you, you enjoy in this. Like, is that, it, like, do you enjoy, like, the, I don't know, like, the themes, the setup? Yeah, like, what is it you kind of... But we, we got a sort of classic sort of Disney opening, sort of a la Beauty and the Beast style, uh-huh. where we have our main characters sort of move through a location uh with like things happening around them and it's like oh meet the cast this yes. one's quirky this one jumps in puddles um, yeah. uh scamp is an incorrigible little rogue uh at one point uh photo bombing i think someone's wedding uh by just leaping directly into the frame like a little shit <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean this is set around independence day and i i i don't want to believe this uh but i really do think that because there's no other reason for it to be there. There's no other reason for it to be Independence Day. No. Other than it being kind of a sort of metatextual theme 
<laughs> going on that like oh yeah because scamp needs his own independence day oh, oh yeah i like, like the, it i like it but like there's no like <laughs> particular reason for it to be independence day like you know it's just sort of is yeah is it is it this kind of uh meeting of the kind of uh i don't know the the, the pilgrims and the, the the natives do you know what i mean you kind of got the I mean, if, if, if it is a junkyard thematic dog. thing, it's heavy-handed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, w- w- one of the things I kind of liked in that is we obviously get like a little callback in that opening uh, kind of song that we get um, with the Siamese cats from yes. the original film, uh, which I think the less said about their song in that film, the better. Uh, I'm glad it doesn't have a, a reprise for, yes. for, for this uh, film. What I found is that um, one of those cats was voiced by Tress McNally, who is uh, the voice of Leela in Futurama. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Again, we're finding these tenured voice actors that just like... <laughs> it's, it's, it's brilliant. Um, and yeah, the song that is sung is Welcome Home by... by well, yeah, the, the writers are Melissa Manchester and Norman Gimbel. And the performers for that are Jodie Benson, Jeff Bennett, Jim Cummings, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the voice of Winnie the Pooh, uh, Michael Goh, Debbie Derryberry, and Kath Sochi. Uh, so, yeah, what do you make of that song? Like, is it, is it, is it, you, you mentioned... This is sort of, this is, this is an issue throughout the film, I think, where the songs are a, a bit, a bit weak. Like, they, they, they're fine. Like, do you know what I mean? They're not, that they're absolutely fine. They're functional. They uh-huh. do what they need to do with regards to the plot. But it's not... But, I mean, I guess... The problem is you sort of have to compare it to... Well, you're almost forced to compare it to sort of Disney's standard. Well, and especially because what this film is doing as well, where it's like you've got somebody who feels like they're different from the family and wants to break away. All I could keep thinking was like, oh, it's, it's doing like a little bit of like a... A little mermaid vibe here. Do you know what I mean? It's like Scamp wants to like and he's he does that classic thing when he's kind of um in the garden, like like he, he bursts into song and sings A World Without Fences, where it's like this is very much his I want song. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I I literally wrote that down. It's written down there. The the classic musical theatre trope of the I want song. I think this does all of them, right? This kind of like does well, at least a few stat. Like it very much feels like it's a paint by numbers kind of. That's the thing. I, I think the plot is is workmanlike because you know ultimately they were making this to sort of capitalize on their broader success at the time. Uh-huh. So you know, not not. I'm struggling with this because I don't want to suggest in any way that anyone involved in this production was half assing it. Yeah, because I don't think that's the case. Well, I think animation is so time-consuming and so like yeah. kind of labour-intensive. Like... My suspicion would be that they weren't given the time or the money that yes. would have been afforded to a larger production. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's I think what's fascinating, well, not fascinating, but it's like interesting when it comes to uh, like home releases, so stuff that is made for home release, is you never get to see a budget and kind of re- yeah. return on them. So like... I mean, I, I can't imagine it would have been much. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if it's produced in house, like it's, yeah, I don't know, it's strange. And um, I mean, like, like you say, like it's you, you use the term paid by numbers, and I, I agree to a certain extent. It's you know, it's very much sort of like 
you, you could see this in like a like a screenwriting book, a basic screenwriting book. What's going on here? Yeah, it's almost like I don't know. They're probably <laughs> I can imagine with the straight to video stuff. They're like, so we've got like these templates. Like, can you can uh, can a lady in the trump sequel fit into this one? Can a Cinderella sequel fit into this one? Can a that's it? It's, line, uh, you know what I mean? it's like it's off off the peg. Yes, <laughs> story yeah, beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. um I mean, the thing is not to quote another Disney film, but I mean, this kind of is a tale as old as time, isn't it? <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's the precocious kid who is rebellious and wants to do things in his own way, but then learns that family is the most important thing. Yeah, it's, it's very much, uh, I think now as well, it has that, uh, has very much an air of like, I don't, you know, like middle class people where they're like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna move to, I'm gonna be, move to South London and like, oh yes, dress, dress like, uh, dress like I've got no money, like that's kind of like scamp's <laughs> journey where he's like, you know what, Dad, I like, I've, I've had it with the bourgeois middle class lifestyle. I wanna, uh, yeah, I wanna go live in Croydon and in 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 I'm squat. going to visit my local pub and hopefully I'll get in a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go, <laughs> I'd, I'd very much like to go to a squat party and try some ketamine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no more powder for me, Peter. I'll be taking my cocaine in crack form. <laughs> I would like it cut at least seven times, please. <laughs> <laughs> None of this pure Colombian fineries for me anymore. Oh no! Yeah, but, but yeah, I mean it's it, it, it's a classic trope. It's a classic trope. But like, <laughs> like I said, the opening song does exactly what it needs to do. Like you know, we get a feel for like the personalities of the people involved. Like you know, Tramp and Lady are you know much more staid than they were. And Scamp, we find out, is an is an, an incorrigible rogue, and his misbehaviour only continues yeah. uh, when the song finishes. And he's a proper tear away in the house. He's ripping up hats. He's jumping in puddles, getting all muddy, running tracks through the house, taking down yeah uh, curtain rails, jumping in a bin. Much to the much all the, the classic sort of Disney slapstick stuff. Much to the amusement of. Um, junior the little baby who's kind of like uh there is something i don't know there's something always endearing about like ba- like babies and dogs and that relationship and stuff like that yeah and, and like, he gets lots of cuddles throughout yeah he's kind of egg- he's kind of egging him on and then it's like i'm just like it is that thing it's like i'm just trying to be me and like um <laughs> jim yeah jim is like to the garden with you you must be chained up for like uh for misbehaving in the house and and I would like to point something out at this point because this was the first point that I noticed it, and then I couldn't stop noticing it as the uh, as the film continued. I think it's weird that they've made the voice actors do their own barking. Yes, yes, that is bizarre. Yeah, the first time I heard it, I was sort of like, "Is that just? Is that just the voice actor going?" And it's like, "Oh my god, it is!" And then it kept happening, and I was like, "What?" What is going on? Why did they do that? Yeah, it's so yeah. Disney, surely you've got some stock sound recordings of some dogs barking. And it is yeah, and it's that thing of normally the barking is like what the humans would hear, and like the the do you know what I mean? Like you would assume that when they're talking, it would be bark. Like if a human were to hear it, it would be barks. You have to assume, don't you, in that sort of cartoon style? Yeah, and it's. But I, I found it really distracting. 
It's only now that you've mentioned it that it's kind of dawned on me. That's what they were doing, yeah. It's throughout as well. Like, even when we meet, um, jumping ahead a little bit here, but, like, when we meet Reggie, the massive, um, horrible guard dog in the alleyway, like, he, 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 that's a human making those noises. Yeah, that is. That is uh, uh, Frank Welker. And, like, he does not have any lines in this film. All he does is snarls and, like... <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> yeah, it's like, could you not have just recorded a Doberman for that? Oh, have like, you just... not got stock footage? Yeah. You're Disney. <laughs> yeah, they must have a library of all these sounds. And it's like, you Surely. know what? Surely, like... You wouldn't even need to hire Foley artists. You must have this somewhere. But no. So we've got this weird situation wherever sort of like dogs are running around or getting overexcited, their their human voice actors are barking. I love it. I love it's it. It's really this is the first time I noticed it and it doesn't stop throughout. So you know, if you if you haven't seen the film, just imagine that every time one of these dogs bark, it's like a guy. <laughs> Yeah, or a woman just go. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Eventually, Scamp does escape and uh, meets up with Angel. Like, it took... I. It wasn't until I read the name that I, I even knew that that was her. Well, or that it doesn't happen. It, her, I don't, is her name mentioned like until uh, or not until a lot later in the junkyard? 
Yes. Uh, which is a little bit later on. But our first glimpse of her, she is an, an unnamed dog. Yeah, I, I, I wrote in my notes to begin with, she was a she-tramp. Like, because that's kind of like, she, like, that is like... It's the gender flip reversal. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the, the prim and proper boy now meeting the kind of streetwise girl in, in, in the alleyway. I do just want to hop back a second because I've also done a thing where I've written down some quotes that made me smile. Oh, yes, please. Oh, is, is it? It's not between the, the conversation between uh, Lady and Tramp, is it? Uh, it might. I might have one, one like that. I'm not sure. The one that I'm calling out is uh, my favourite uh, classic children's film line, which is where after he's pulled the curtain down and everything like that, comes in, what a mess. Uh oh! <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, love love that sort of stuff. Uh oh! <laughs> so yeah, what do you make of that? Um, that uh, his I want song. Like, does it kind of? It, it, does it? Does it? I don't know. Does it? Yeah, fit the yeah a world without fences. Is it? Is it? Is it a good I want song? Is it? Is it? It didn't stir me like um, I can go the distance from Hercules did. Yeah. Or yeah, Little Mermaid's got a banger of one, isn't it? Like yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I, it it didn't it didn't strike me in that way. Um, it's again, it's fine. It's workmanlike. Yeah. It does exactly what it needs to do. It's here. Here's his motivations in song. The uh, the animation to it is quite fun. Yeah, because it's kind of like the fence becomes almost like kind of like like do you know what I mean? Like almost like a. I, like a path right and he's kind of yeah and he's sort of moving around there's a sort of visual reference to um him standing at the top of what is unmistakably pride rock yes uh from the lion king so like you know there's a few references going on there it's it's a cheeky little bit of visual fun uh, yes. a bit of um you know sort of dream dream sequency logic yeah it's uh, it's pretty to look at even if the song's a bit a bit wet so what 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 do you think like yeah, as as we move along and he meets meets the junkyard dogs and yes um, led by uh buster yes voiced by uh, chaz palmotiri who uh, uh doing his broadest new york accent yeah like he's like he's someone i always find fascinating because he's like oh is he like is he like a scorsese regular and then you realize no he's just in a lot of films that are like sub scorsese jimmy's in like a, the, a bronx the, the, tale the b, the b scorsese the yeah Scorsese b if you will yeah he's kind of <laughs> he will kind of like turn up in films that would be like the godfather of harlem jimmy he's not quite in like the he's like oh, okay okay you're not like you're in the yeah you're in the c-list versions of these films uh but i mean to be fair i mean you know you grab the bag i say what, what do you think of the like the voice cast for but uh, yeah, for these kind of for the junkyard dogs, because uh, I, I enjoy them. It's, it's you know, it's a, it's a, it's your standard Disney motley crew. Yeah, it, it reminded me somewhat of uh, Oliver and Company. Kind of had that vibe. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, actually, to be honest with you, I think the sort of the personalities and the things are actually quite similar between them. Like you know, you've got the the big dopey one. Uh-huh. You've got the wrinkly old one. You've got the racist one. you've got the kind of i I guess you'd be like a kind of old like you could imagine if she were a human to just always have a cigarette on the go uh ruby oh yeah who's voiced by uh kath moriarty who um which is a fantastic name by the way yeah who uh, i guess a lot of people would uh recognize from um 
uh, what's the Raging Bull she played, um, yeah. Jake Clement's wife. Or if you're a 90s kid like, like ourselves, she plays the villain in Casper. Hell yeah. yeah the so friendly like, ghost, yeah. no less. <laughs> she, yeah, so like, as soon as I saw it was her, I was like, oh yeah, of course. She's got that like rasp to her voice. She's one that stands out. And then, yeah, uh, Bronson Pinot as Francois. Who, again, some of them don't really get to do much in the kind of junkyard gang like he gets a line that i've written down yes uh... when there's a, a buster is showing his um his dominance uh speaking of buster i got a quite strong gaston vibes from him i think that's what they're trying to go for right they're, they're... again they're drawing a lot from sort of like that 90s era uh-huh yeah 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 where like you know they had a lot of richly textured and drawn characters and they're sort of just sliding these characters in almost as tropes uh but they're fighting over something i can't even remember what it was at this point uh, but they're maybe a pillow or something. But they're, they're fighting over something, and um, uh, in a broad French accent, uh, uh, he says, "Bust his badock, Buster." <laughs> I was like, "Okay." <laughs> uh, so it, bust his buttock, Buster. I it leads me on to talking about their song, which is uh, "Junkyard Society Rag," which I gotta say is a banger. I, 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 I enjoyed this song. That being said, the Junkyard song slaps. Yeah. We've yeah, reached it's, it. <laughs> it's, it's great, right? It's kind of got that... It almost feels... This is the song that feels most like classic Disney. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's proper ragtime as well. Like It yeah. is a proper ragtime song. And in addition to that, it's set against the backdrop of the Junkyard, which I wrote down is actually really well designed as uh-huh. like an area. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, you know, we've got this really, really catchy song. This is the song that I remembered from this film. Uh huh. Yeah. And it was stuck in my head for the rest of the night. But, like, the the architecture of the junkyard, the way they move around it, there's all these sorts of different, like, contraptions and, like, tunnels and, like, they're bouncing off of stuff. It's really, like, a kinetic scene. And there's lots of, like, lots of fun visual gags and stuff like that. I feel like one of the dogs at one point like ends up going down like an exhaust pipe and then coming out the other end and then yeah uh, its silhouette is left in like a puff of like soot and dust as it like disappears and stuff and there's that great kind of moment as they're near the kind of climax of the song and they're all jumping around like a kind of looks like an old kind of uh wheel with like some of the spokes missing and they're all jumping yeah. through the gap and it's kind of like very much visually tells us like that scamp very much isn't a part of their like their world because he tries to jump eats shit so many times during this song (laughs) and and i think it's visually trying to tell us that like they're used to this like street way of life they're used to this like junkyard like kind of every man for himself which is the kind of like the song sets up who these junkyard dogs are but at the same time sets up this thing of like it's every it's every dog for themselves. It's kind of like it's a this, tough this life out here. This scene was preceded by um, Scamp meeting Angel in the alley, and we see a bit of that there as well. Where yeah. He's very sort of gracefully parkouring her way over a bunch of dustbins and like using planks as springboards, and then Scamp tries it, and inevitably, because this is a Disney film, eats shit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, unlike some dogs, we're not talking literally here. We talk. Oh, no. But no, 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 that's a cut that for time. <laughs> uh, it's like, yeah. Uh, what I like some of the 
what are some of the moments you you, you like within this film we could kind of go, go through this beat by beat but like i don't know it's kind of that i don't well, yeah i don't think there is that much plot really to kind of no go I mean, on, it's, is there? It, again it's like the classic sort of screenwriting textbook you know you've got your false crisis false dawn real crisis real dawn like you know it, it's you can practically like you know <laughs> make up the script as you go along you basically know where it's going uh i enjoyed the guy who the uh the dog pound guy yes the guy who's trying to catch the dogs that's a fun bit of sort of abbott and costello nonsense <laughs> um that was always good um i've written something down here which i think you might have sort of referred to earlier sort of sort of obliquely uh, in terms of sort of like their age, it is repeatedly said that um, Angel is Buster's girl. Yeah, uh, which she vehemently denies. So that is that is weird. It's weird. So obviously, like as things transpire, like when they yeah, when when they're saying to Buster, like once he's done, oh uh, no, once they're saying to Scamp, once he's kind of tried to prove himself by running down Reggie's alley. Which is not a euphemism. Uh, uh, they they they're like they they go oh there's there's one dog that was like the 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 king of the street dogs and they tell these stories of Trump which go to some weird places right there's one of the stories yeah. is like instead of being caught by all the all, like the the dog the dog pound he committed suicide. And it's like, yeah, like and it's sort of shown in this kind of sort of like weird silhouette Zorro style. Yeah, and like, all, like on this log over a waterfall, surrounded on all sides. And all of the all the like the the, the animated characters, the, all, all the humans that are just like black silhouettes with these piercing white eyes, and it's like it's sort of got a kind of German expressionist kind yeah, of. Yeah, so where's this going? Like it's almost like I don't know. It almost gets a bit like Fantasia X. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I don't know if that, if that was a de- deliberate reference to that. I mean, it was. It's certainly odd, and it, it goes along with the other odd things in this. I've written down that I think the reason why I found the sort of Angels Busters girl thing so squiffy is, I think it's a size thing. It's a size thing. It definitely is an age thing. Like, because obviously it's a stab. Because I'm thinking as a, as a you know, I, w- I wouldn't perhaps have maybe thought about it as much if it wasn't for the fact that Buster is so big and Angel is the same size as Scamp. Yeah. And so in my head, Scamp and Angel are the kids. Yes. And Buster's like a grown adult. Now, I am I am in no way accusing anyone on the writing, production, or development team of doing anything untoward. I just genuinely think they didn't think about it. Yes. I don't I don't think. I, I, I think it's just a massive over... Because, like, you could read into it that obviously, like... I don't know. There's like a, there is a, there, there is, yeah, there's an aspect of it where like Buster Note is like the, the generation of Lady and Trump, right? He knew Trump from yeah, back in the day. He, he's like Trump. He was like Trump's protege. Yeah. In a way. For, yeah. Or like, yeah, like his old, his, his, his mucker from back in the day. They were kind of thick as thieves. And then it's, and then, yeah, and then she's like this tiny dog, and that's the thing of like Scamp is portrayed to be a puppy, and then it's yes. like so, ha- like that that then like, and then it's like he's got a love interest of Angel, and it's like this weird thing of like, oh, so is she like a fully grown dog? 
going for a I, puppy? I, I, Is she I, a puppy? I, I, mean? I just think it was underthought and undercooked. Yes. You know what I, mean? I, I think if they'd maybe maybe just one more pass at the script. Yeah. It's, just, just to make it a bit tidier. Yeah, it's like, did it have to be a, a kind of romantic thing between Buster and... Could it have not been like a paternal thing where it's like you're like he's almost like taking her on as like a daughter? Do you know what I mean? It's like he's kind of like, oh no, I I object to you kind of um, turning your back on the street dog, or even just the thing of like a pack mentality thing where it's like, no, you've you've established yourself as a street dog. You can't now become a kind of a kept dog in a yeah, like living in a house. Well, that's sort of. <laughs> As the as the film went on, I got more and more confused as to Buster's motivations. Um, because after they do the whole story of how Tramp bravely jumped into a waterfall to escape from some German expressionist silhouettes, um, Buster makes it very clear that if he was to see Tramp, or indeed should it transpire that Scamp is Tramp's offspring, uh, he will kill them. And then later, when it is revealed, you know, there's no if, buts, or coconuts about this. They are related. Scamp is very much Tramp's boy. Yeah. He sort of then sort of turns and tries to become his dad, kind of. But then when... Um, and when, to be fair, right, I've written this down as well. When Scamp is absolutely his father's son and sells Angel up the river... Uh, by telling Buster that she wants to live with a family, oh. right? Like betraying her trust, you know, like what, like like what Tramp keeps doing with Scam, <laughs> like father, like son, little bastard. But um, then suddenly he seems determined to get Scamp thrown into the pound. Yeah, I don't like. I, 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 his motivations keep changing. Like, does he want to kill him? Does he want to be his dad? Does he want him out of the gang? Does he, I, I don't. Because there's this whole confrontation in the alleyway as well between Buster and 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 Tramp, where it's you know it's left to the kids to decide. And he um he actually has a great line there. It's my favorite line of the film, uh, where um uh, Tramp says, "I know what's best for him," and then Scamp pipes up and says, "No, you know what's best for you." And I was like, "Oh, killer!" <laughs> Ouch. But like that whole standoff is sort of predicated on the idea that. Scamp's options are either having a dad who's sort of a staid middle class, done his fighting and now sort of spends his time drinking whiskey in a smoking jacket, or the fun promise of being a junkyard dog, but still was sort of like that kind of paternalistic vibe. Well, yeah, he can- and then when he makes his decision, it's almost immediately thrown out. It's it's odd. Well, and I don't I don't really see that like the allure for Scamp because even before like he he has to make that decision he's kind of set up almost to fail by by buster because he's like oh if you want to prove yourself to us go steal like because he's he's cottoned on that tramp is his is his father and he goes oh yeah go steal that family's chicken off of their picnic because they have the same they itch a scratch the same way or I think they even say, like, oh, I wonder if we'll see Scamp. And then it's like kind of like, boom, like, it's the same, like, like... Yeah, it's really not well hidden. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if this small dog that is visibly identical to that other dog, I wonder if they're related. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is, uh, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's bizarre. And I don't know, maybe, maybe the problem here is we are two 30-something-year-old uh, men 
analyzing a straight I mean, there to video. I mean, there is a part of me that's thinking to myself, <laughs> I may be going too hard and too deep on um on a uh, on this, but I mean. I'm, I'm sort of thinking it from a sort of like an artistic and technical perspective as well. Yeah. And like, cause you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, these were professionals working on this and it does sort of feel like, like there are a couple of scenes that are maybe out of order and a couple of things that are a bit loose. But then I think again, that may come back to just time and budget that they had to work this out and knock it out. Oh yeah. It very much feels like they, they, they're possibly told like, here's your runtime. Like, cause this film, when it gets to kind of the latter stages of it, it just feels very rushed. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Like... I mean, one of the things that I did think was weird is that you said earlier that he doesn't, he's seemingly not getting anything positive out of being a junkyard dog. Uh-huh. Like, he nearly gets run over by a train at one point. Yeah. Uh, with very much a Prometheus moment, because I think there may be a drop frame or two, because at one point they're in a train yard, and then suddenly they're on a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, because when he starts running, I was like, just run to the side, mate, just get off the track. But then they're on a bridge. And I was like, when did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> but like this, this, this all goes on. And like, they end up have a scene where they end up back at Scamp's family home. And they have sort of like a heart to heart about how, you know, family might be the best thing. And this happens before the confrontation in the alleyway where he still picks to be a junkyard dog. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it just, it it doesn't and his even scamp's motivations just keep flip-flopping it's, just, it's, it's like just a bit all over the place it really feels like it needed another edit pass well yeah because it's like that thing of like oh do him like does he kind of does he want to be with angel does he just like because he keeps going oh yeah she's, he, he, like do you know what I mean he's he, he's doing stuff that's kind of characteristically caring and like uncharacteristically junkyard dog well, they had a, they had a whole romantic duet. Yes, yes, they do, don't they? Yeah, which, which... Is when you, which is when they do the um the callback to the spaghetti and meatballs thing. Mm, yeah, with the weirdly voyeuristic Italian restaurant owner. Yeah, uh, but instead of doing the whole all spaghetti and boot the nose thing, you know that absolutely iconic shot. Yes, from the original, the one thing that pretty much anyone knows about Lady in the Tramp. Yeah, it's Lady in the Tramping, right? I I've, I think I've said to. To exes in the past, like whilst eating spaghetti, I just fancy lady and tramp in a piece, just just yeah, for fun. Yeah, it's, it's it's a meme, it's a trope, it's universal. <laughs> and in this one, it's it's it is it did genuinely get a bit of a smile out of me because they sort of lampshade it by they're sort of looking at each other all coy, and then Angel just goes in yes. on the food <laughs> like a wild dog. It's great. Yeah, I did like that. I did that, and the song as well that you mentioned. It's called. I didn't know I could feel this way. So it's very much like the kind it's of... It's really romantic. Yeah, like These falling. two dogs have known each other for about five hours. Yeah, we're falling in love. Like, it's kind of like, all like very... Uh, these are not the lyrics at all. It's like all the melodies. Making this <laughs> I'm up. in love with a dog. Uh, yeah. I'm in love with a dog. You dog. Oh. Mm. <laughs> Society rag. <laughs> yeah. Love that song. <laughs> let's, get, let's have some of that. Not, not this... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it kind of feels like with the music, it's like well, I guess it's because they didn't have the the kind of the hit makers that they had back in the day, right? Like there's that uh, the famous brothers who wrote uh, a lot of the music. Who, funnily enough, one of them is played by Jason Schwartzman in Saving Mr. Banks. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he's doing the Rain Man thing. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember what the. What you should the... have seen it. If, 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 you, uh, if you're listening, you won't have the video, but I could see the cogs turning. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can see my eyes kind of go through the mental roller decks of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they kind of That's shift up good. into my head, uh, but uh, there's like there's a song later on as well, and I can't really. It's just as. Um, Scamp gets impounded and is kind of in the back of. This is the last song I think in the soundtrack that's not a reprise of one from earlier. So uh-huh. I think it'd be probably worthwhile talking about it just to clear the soundtrack off. Uh, I've written in all caps, family. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They all kind of get a little piece, don't they? They all kind of get like a little, like, it's him going, like, it's a basic. I wrote it down as like the. I'm missing home song. Do you know what I mean? It's like I've yeah. It's it's the crisis song. It's the you know. If only if only we hadn't done all this, we could we could have done it. Oh. it's all very sad. Because when he gets to the when he gets to the pound, I was very much thinking, oh, like this, like if this were a a, a feature, like a full feature length. This was a full ninety minutes. Is like we would have some more like conflict here. <laughs> Whereas, like, it is kind of, like, wrapped up within, like, a minute of him being at the pound, right? It's kind of like he gets there, Trump bursts in to be, like... We should also say that Reggie's there as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, literally playing at this point just a, just a slathering beast. Yeah. He, he Like, tearing chains out of the wall. <laughs> I guess Reggie is basically it's Chekhov's dog, right? He's, <laughs> he's, he's che- Chekhov's mutt. He's set up in the. He's set up in Act One. And he's like, oh, he's at the pound, and it's like, oh, if you're paying attention, oh no, Scamp's going to the pound. Who's gonna? Be? And you get that. Is it kind of like you get a, 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 you get like a kind of really rumbunctious Chihuahua? Do you know what I mean? I'm surprised it wasn't like. I was he in the first film? Because when when Tramp arrives, he's sort of talking to Tramp as if he knows him. I can't remember, like. I don't know. I know that there is there is an animated film with like a kind of because I think Oliver and Company has like a Mexican Chihuahua. Like, yeah, um, yeah. So I'm I'm not sure. They they kind of they kind of all blur into into one eventually. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this one's sort of got the classic kind of Greek chorus role. Yes. Of like, you know, as as Scam gets thrown in, oh, you're in big trouble now. You're in the Reggie cage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everything like that. And then Trap comes in, ah, you're going to set me free. Yeah. And then we don't see him again. Mm. Uh, presumably he gets euthanized. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 1911 after all. Uh, and I mean, I can't imagine the Dog Pound guy is particularly pleased because he makes a triumphant return. Uh, to get thrown at a wall in a way that I am reasonably certain would break his neck. Yeah, <laughs> he's dead. If he was to actually do that. Yeah, he's dead. God. The massacre at the dog pound. Yeah. Reggie's probably let loose. Um, so one of the things I found of this film is some people, and I can pull it up now, actually, um, is on... <laughs> uh, some There's a couple of Amazon reviews. Oh, this is always going to be good. Because uh, people have problems with uh, one of the one of the kind of closing act things and think it is very undisney to the idea that, like, when uh, 
when Scamp goes back to the junkyard dogs and like has his confrontation with Buster, that he just leaves him under a like a bunch of junk and like there is no like so, yeah, kind if, of. If you haven't seen it, like there's a he, he sort of pushes, I guess, Buster into a sort of like a large teetering stack of like furniture, junk, and wood, and it falls on him. And he's still, like, talking fine. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he's, like, dead or anything. But it's... You are right. It did feel a bit... I mean, it ties in, I think, to that it feeling rushed. Yes. Like, you know, they've had the big dog pound escape, and then it's like, right, now we go and deal with Buster. And then they sort of bury him in chairs and then leave. And that's sort of... (laughs) Yeah. That's sort of it. And all of his junkyard companions, like, immediately turn on him. Like, quick as you like. So... Here's a one-star review from Amazon, which is uh, my God. Uh, the, the, the title is Very Poor Quality Film. Maybe I expect too much, but this is by far, far. Uh, I'm reading this verbatim. This is, by, this is far, far lower quality than the original film. <laughs> the music is terrible. The story is terrible. It's cringeworthy. And both I and my husband and toddler that is uh, that is that is written in all caps uh, <laughs> thought so. Well, the toddler wasn't very interested and definitely agreed. She likes the first movie. I like how she sort of backs off the toddler being really angry, like, really quick. <laughs> We were furious, but Toddler was just bored, I think. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have the capacity for rage. Yeah, it's... Um, so, so, some of them... Oh, some, some of them are just one star. I, I, li- I like this, because this is possibly what Amazon should be for, is they shouldn't be reviewing the film. They should be reviewing the product itself. So th- this one is possibly uh, a better review. Uh Wrong movie disc. This was only available as used, and I opened it to watch with my grandkids and realised the feature movie was wrong. Got Lady and the Tramp 1 instead. How do I get this fixed or exchanged? It's like, well, you've possibly been done a favour there, because Lady yeah, and the yeah, Tramp... Yeah, you, you're actually up, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've... Yeah. You've, you've done a blinder there. Yeah, I don't know why I can't find this review from earlier that I was uh, quoting. Yeah, where people, yeah, people do have people. A couple of people had an issue with the fact that there isn't a kind of like, I don't know, um, uh, even it. Do you know what I mean even showing compassion to the villain? Which is, is that a trope amongst Disney films? Do they kind of at the end go like, oh, you're all right too, like? pretty sure scar dies doesn't he and he gets he gets knocked off the top of pride rock and torn apart by hyenas yeah yeah i can't but it's it's not it's not nice for him <laughs> yeah what? jafar gets locked in a lamp for all eternity yeah i think i think i think they are very moralistic right and the gaston falls off the top of a castle and i think gets impaled on a spike yeah what are these people fucking going on about like i think <laughs> Like I think, like Claude Frollo from Hunchback and Notre Dame, he burns to death inside a giant cathedral. Yeah, who voices him? Because I, I, oh god, I can't remember. Is it Jeremy Irons? It might be, you know. 
<laughs> I always remember that being fascinating. And I always remember uh, Jason Alexander voices one of the uh, gargoyles in that. And um, I was always very happy when I found out that years later, because I'm a big Seinfeld fan. Uh, but it was, uh, it was Tony J. Tony J. Oh, okay. Tony J. I think possibly doing his best Jeremy Irons impression. Okay, okay, okay. Because uh, so- certainly when you said that, I was like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, as we start to wrap things up, like, what do you think of the kind of uh, conclusion of this film? Obviously, a scamp is saved by Trump at the um, uh, at the dog pound, and then it's kind of like we're home like uh, and we've got this other dog and like yeah what do you what do you make of the kind of ending of this um uh, <laughs> i mean it ties it all up doesn't it yeah. you know it's, it's it's the end like you know angel obviously joins the household everyone's happy big cuddle for junior and then we have a nice reprise of welcome home and then that's it roll credits like you know it, again it's it's workmanlike I, I'm genuinely surprised. Like you know, for, for people listening at home, we are now I think 90 minutes or so into this record, and I'm genuinely surprised we found as much to talk about this film as we have. Because, oh, yeah, rewatching it, I I was sort of struck by just sort of how sort of how sort of empty it was. Like you know, it doesn't it's certainly not up to sort of Disney's usual standard. And but then it was released as a straight to video thing, so I don't know what I was expecting. But you know, it's it's fine. Like the harsh, the harshest criticism and the highest praise I can lay at this film is that it's fine. What I find really interesting now, though, is I think that was an interesting point to make, is how now with like straight to streaming content, like I, I almost hate that word, but like, is they don't tend to like. It's not like that back in the day where it's like, oh, this is straight to video. We'll cut some corners. We won't like get like do you know what I mean. We'll give like minimal budgets and stuff like that. And it's like people will just lap this up because it's got like the Disney stamp of approval. I think what's kind of like nice about nowadays, even though there's like almost like a glut of content. Do you know what I mean? It's like oh, uh, Toy Story. It's like oh, we'll do a Forky show, even though that is fantastic. Do you know what I mean? We'll do we'll do as much as we can. We'll do like, shorts whenever we can. Da, 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 da. Boom, boom, boom. we'll have stuff coming at you left right and center we'll turn every like sh- we'll turn a series we'll get a series out of whatever we can and stuff like that but none of it feels like it is kind of like scrimped upon right it's kind of like there's a i suppose it's because it all has to be in the same place right uh-huh. like you know if, if, if you're doing if you're doing back in the day with sort of like the retail market you're gonna have your big like presentation display cases for your big releases like say your tarzans and your hercules and then in in the like white mesh bin near the till you'll have this stuff yeah yeah, yeah. and so you know that there's a there is a difference in quality between those two things if you you know this would be disney plus right so like you know if if you put out lady in the tramp like say you had no idea what these films are about if you put out Lady and the Tramp and then Lady and the Tramp 2 Scamps Adventure and someone's like, oh, well, I've never seen these films. I'll give it a watch. Like, it can't, you can't do it where one is so clearly lesser than the other uh-huh. because it's all in the same place. Yeah. And so everything has to be good. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you said you watched this on Disney Park, but I think that's just because it already existed anyway. It doesn't cost them anything to put it out. Yeah. 
But like, were they to make it today, I think they'd make it. I agree with you. I think they'd make it to a much higher standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, well, you look at the stuff. Like, so, I guess some of it is obviously for um, like reasons of the pandemic. But like stuff that they choose to make, like uh, Disney Plus, like originals, as it were, like Luca. Do you know what I mean? It's like that is that is that is high quality, right? That is like for sure. That is like that 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 can stand toe to toe with kind of any like uh, Pixar or Disney film, and it's like it's not like we're getting that thing where it's like I don't know. I guess the where that has changed is is Netflix. I think are guilty for just like giving people like some stuff that is just like. Do you know what I mean? Like around Christmas, there'll be like a glut of like films where it's like, it, for sure. it might, oh, it, it could be like a Hallmark movie. Do you know what I mean? And then, yeah, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. And That's like, exactly what you mean. And it's like, but obviously, they, they do have their hand in like making stuff that is pure quality. And I know, obviously, uh, you have a vested interest. Yeah, you, you 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 have a vested interest in in Netflix, Ethan. It's just dawned on me, so I'm not gonna. Oh, it's not so much. <laughs> I've got a vested interest in Netflix. They paid me a, a few times. <laughs> like you know, I'm I'm I, I'm not. I don't ever work for Netflix. Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a bloody comedy mercenary for hire. That's me. <laughs> <I'm> a... <laughs> I mean, the thing is, if, if if they were asking me to be loyal, I think I'd really struggle. Because <laughs> I've, I've, I've done BBC, ITV, Channel 4, Netflix, Sky, right. UK TV. I've done them all. Well, I, I, <laughs> You I, can't tie me down. I look forward to seeing you in, uh, I don't know, the holiday jumble or something that they make uh, <laughs> they make for next Christmas or the Christmas after. I mean, I'll take it if the money was right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll, be, I'll be keeping uh, keen eyes on your IMDb for, for upcoming projects. And uh, if the holiday... Do you not think for one second that I'm too proud to, <laughs> to take <laughs> Oh, if I've learned anything from this conversation, Ethan, it is very much that you're not too proud to take that, uh, take, take that job. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd be fine, mate, honestly. Just, I love it's it. All, it's, all, it's all bunts, isn't it? It's all bunts. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, as yeah, as we start to uh, wrap up this conversation, one of the things I like to find out on this podcast is, are there any Coppola connections within this film? Is there anyone who worked on this film either in front of or in a vo- vocal booth or behind the scenes who worked with the Coppolas anywhere else? Did you manage to... Well, see, f- now this is a difficult question, isn't it? Because there's not even a Coppola in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we're no closer to solving the mystery. Yeah, we have. Oh, I feel like we've buried the lead on this. So, I should. I should say. Uh, yeah, I should say in in regards to um, the mystery. Like I have, I have reached out to Janine uh, Roussel, the di- one of the directors of this film, asking her if there were was ever a scene that featured beavers and the voice talents of one patricia arquette and i'm yet i'm yet to hear back from i mean in in her defense i found this out at 2 a.m on monday morning uh when i messaged you sort of in a bit of a panic (laughs) because thinking to myself because uh pete behind the curtain we're recording this on tuesday yes so imagine this it's monday morning 2 a.m i've just finished watching lady in the tramp and i'm reasonably certain there wasn't a beaver in it and uh, so I, I, I messaged I mess, I mess Petros being like, um, 
I think we might have a bit of a problem here. <laughs> <laughs> and I gave, I gave the option. I was like, I think we either pick another film and maybe push the record date to make sure we can get on it, or we do it anyway because I think it would be funny. I, yeah, I think we've gone. I think we've gone with the right decision here, and it has very much led me into uh, a new avenue of the podcast. Where now I've kind of I'm waiting with bated breath, constantly. Yes. I'm, yeah, I'm genuinely. I've, yeah, I'll check my emails now. Ooh. Oh, that would be the perfect end to the pod. Oh no, 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 Janine. Ah, oh. Janine, Janine, where are you? Oh, I'll hit refresh. No, nothing. Nothing. Uh, oh, Janine, you let me down here. We're gonna Although to be fair, weird question to get from a stranger. <laughs> yes, I do I do I do I do feel for her that like Sorry, was Patricia Arquette a beaver in a film he made twenty one years ago? Yeah. Because Wikipedia said she was. Yeah, that is that is that is basically the gist of my email. And I panicked. I, I tried to send the email without, like, I, I, I did put a subject heading and then I just panicked and wrote uh, Lady in the Trump 2 Beaver as the subject Brim. heading. So it probably, <laughs> probably <laughs> sound like a madman. This man. is why she has an answer. <laughs> <laughs> She's seen it and just been like, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm far too busy to deal with this. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, Straight I... to junk you go. Oh, can't wait to be blackballed by Hollywood for my fucking Yeah, you're on a watch list now. Oh, well, um, I mean, were you able to find if there were any Coppola connections? No, at all. No, there, no. there weren't any. I was, I, I didn't, I didn't do too much digging, and that is the thing. Sometimes when people are, are predominantly voice actors, their IMDb's are fucking insane. Like yes. just because, like they could turn over stuff so quickly. And then it like, it comes into like sub things where it will be like, their IMDb just looks so like, uh, intimidating. Cause it will be like, it will have the breakdown of like, oh, they were in this show for this episode, that episode, or if they did multiple voice roles, it just like, it just looks it's like a cascading list. And it's like, so what we're saying is there might be, but probably not because be, because it was too intimidating to check <laughs> that. And there is no Coppola connection. There is, there is no Coppola connection <laughs> in this film. Unless Janine tells me, do you know what? There is something on a cutting room floor somewhere. Will... Well, I, I did say to you that if if she doesn't get back to you either uh, before we record or before this goes out, because you said you'd add a a, a prelude uh, to disregard all of this bit, but I'm more than happy to come back on for an emergency pod. <laughs> to... <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, but, uh, yeah. I may maybe I'll speak to J- if 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 if, <laughs> if, if <laughs> maybe I'll speak to Janine. Maybe I'll try and ring Janine. <laughs> I like I was at the point yesterday and again I would like I would seem like a fucking maniac doing it. I was just gonna direct tweet. I was gonna yeah, I was gonna tweet at Patricia Arquette. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like I don't know, I was like I kinda like I would like to speak at some point I would like to interview Patricia Arquette like properly. Not- do you want me to do it? 
Why? Because you're verified. <laughs> yeah, I'm verified. I might be able to. I might be able to break through the firewall. Oh, if you do, if you do, Ethan, that would be fantastic. Right, I'm going to tweet it now. Oh, amazing! So, uh, whilst Ethan um, <laughs> tweets at Patricia Arquette, um, yeah. Oh, um, well, yeah. We'll, we'll start thinking about rating this film and what we do over here on this podcast is we rate these films by thinking about the perfect wine pairing the coppola family who had no involvement with this film love (laughs) wine uh so what would be the perfect wine pairing for lady and the tramp to scamps adventure even basing this entirely on the scene uh when uh, uh, Scamp goes to steal the chicken. It seems like a sort of well-to-do sort of thing. So I'm going to say the perfect pairing with this is a sparkling wine that looks like a champagne, but was actually very, very, very cheap. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, um, yeah. An English sparkling wine. (laughs) That would be my my contribution to that. um, um, I I think I've got to agree with you there, which leads me on to... Warm. (laughs) Warm summer's day. A, a plastic cup that somebody's accidentally crunched and there's a split in the side of it now. Uh, so, <laughs> so it leads me on to my next question is, how much are we paying for this wine, a.k.a. is this film any good? So is it a bottom shelf, middle shelf, or top shelf wine? This is a, this is a bottom shelf wine. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's, you know, this is £3.50. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is a Lambrini. If you're, if, if, if you're in a supermarket... You are very much having to bend down to pick up this bottle of uh, bottle of sparkling wine. It's going to very much be a, uh, a, a, a an own store brand. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to... Absolutely. Like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so perfect. So uh, based on this film alone, Ethan, <laughs> are the Coppola's the greatest <laughs> film family of all time? <laughs> Based on this, <laughs> based on this film alone, given that no Coppola's were involved at all, I will say that this very much contributes to them being the greatest cinema family of all time because none of them were in it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, amazing. So, um, three final questions before I let you go out into the world and live in anticipation for a potential tweet from Patricia Arquette. Uh, the first one is which Coppola member. Which Coppola family member would you keep? But in doing so, you get rid of the entire filmographies of the rest of the family. Now, here's the thing. I don't like myself for giving this answer. But it is reflective of the sort of films I watch and the sort of person I am. Go by your heart. I'm keeping Cage. Yes, baby! Yes! I'm keeping Cage. I can't live in a world where Face Off was never made. I I very much agree with you. I I, I don't want to live in that world. I don't. Yeah. It, it sounds a bleak and horrible world to me. I, I say, that you can't just flick on Con Air and you know you're going to have a good time. <laughs> I say this every time somebody, like people often apologise being, saying like, oh, this is a very selfish answer. And I'm like, I have no time. Or like, I, I appreciate people who do it, but like, I want to hear people's selfish answers. I like, uh, people come on, they'll be like, Oh, for the sake of cinema, for what they did for cinema, do you know what I mean? It's going to be Francis or 
this, that, and the other. It's like, no, nah, I want to know what is like what your heart's telling me, and that, that I, I, I appreciate you, Ethan. For... My heart tells me this. Okay, I would rather watch National Treasure than Apocalypse Now. Oh. So you've been listening to <laughs> um, amazing. So uh, let yeah, let me ask you this final question, Ethan. What does Bill Murray say to Scott Johansson at the end of Lost in Translation? Do you know what? I think he said, I've been drinking too heavily. I'm struggling to stand up. Can I sort of lean on you a bit? Is that... And then she sort of turns and goes, no. And then that's the end of the film. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Amazing. So uh, where can people keep up to date with everything you're doing? Obviously, like, yeah. What what, what acting stuff have you got coming up? I know that's often a hard one for actors to answer. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff that you can't talk about but is there anything you can talk about that we should look forward to so I'm, I'm at a stage where i've got a few things in in post which i can't talk about um but in terms of stuff that you can get hold of you can watch um bad education on netflix mm-hmm. uh you can also watch afterlife uh on netflix uh you can watch series nine of horrible histories on the bbc iplayer Amazing. Uh, more of that coming soon, which which would be which would be lovely. Uh, as for myself, uh, you can find all my social medias unified under the name Ethan D Lawrence. That's Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And speaking of Twitter, at Patty Arcat, I have a very strange question. I'm doing a podcast about Lady in the Tramp Two Scamp's Adventure, in which Wikipedia lists you as voicing a beaver. However, I could not see any beavers in this film. Would you mind telling us what happened? I thought you were going to say there was a reply, Ethan. No, I'm just still writing it. I just wanted to run it by you. To make oh, sure that okay. is perfect. Uh, on that note, on that cliffhanger, on that bombshell, we may be back with information at some point from either Patricia Arquette or Janine Roussel. Uh, Ethan, thank you so much for coming and making... No Coppola connections with me. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. Well, there we have it, guys. A non-Copla connection. I guess uh, a massive thank you for listening for that folly. If there ever was a um, Francis Ford Coppola-style folly, this may be it. We, we just went with it anyway. We were in too deep. We just had to make the episode. Uh, <laughs> um, and a massive thank you to Ethan as well. He was an absolute uh, joy of a guest. And this was a, uh, it's a lot of fun. A really giddy episode. I think you'll agree. Um, and if anybody... I mean this seriously. Obviously, we mentioned in the episode that uh, Ethan had reached out to Patricia Arquette. How I had reached out to Janine Roussel. Um, neither of us have heard anything back as of yet. But we, we may, at some point, um, drop 
an announcement if we do hear anything back about Patricia Arquette being a beaver in this film at some point. And if you if you worked on this film, if you know anyone who worked on this film, if you can figure out a way that we can speak to somebody who worked on this film, please don't hesitate to get in touch. It's easy peasy to do, so you can find me on all the social medias. So that is Instagram, Letterboxd, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok, all at Caged in Pod. Or drop me an email. That's one of the best ways to catch me is uh, cagedinpod at gmail.com. Please, 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 please. You got that? Have you got that? Have you got that? even Even if it's like a lead, I need those leads to find some answers. Otherwise, I'm going to uh, lose maybe like, I, I don't know. Yeah, even more sleep than I already do. All the things I constantly worry about. Those things I said uh, 10 years ago or that 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 stupid thing I did at school um, keep me awake. So yeah, this is another one to add to the pile of embarrassment and <laughs> shame. So as for next week on the podcast, um, we're actually going to talk about a film that uh, Patricia Arquette was in. And it is the um, 2001 Michelle Gondry directorial debut written by the one and only Charlie Kaufman. It is human nature uh, and i was joined by the fantastic annette and theo from the groundhog games podcast and it's a it's a real hoot and we actually got to talk about patricia arquette for, uh, and, and, and our kind of uh, mutual love and respect for her and yeah we get to talk about that interesting film which i don't know if i'm just kind of not in step with everybody else but feels like it's kind of a forgotten and untalked about Michelle Gondry and Charlie Kaufman films, especially in the kind of oeuvre of Charlie Kaufman films, you, you always hear um, being John Malkovich talked about, you always hear it's uh, Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind Synecdoche, New York, or I'm thinking of ending things, but yeah, you don't really, you don't, nobody really says, hey human nature, there may be a reason for that um, but uh, yeah, we, we get into it and it's a lot of fun so if you enjoyed this episode or any other episode on of the podcast for that matter, please, 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 please uh, remember to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you're listening to this right now. It all really, really helps uh, what we're doing over here. It helps keep the lights on. It helps uh, spread the word of what we're doing. And obviously, if you'd like to support the podcast and can, you don't have to, but if you can financially support it, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash caged in pod, where for literal pittance, uh, you can get access to the Movie Brat Bros podcast, where currently we are going through all of the films directed by Brian De Palma. Well, it's a lot of fun. And um, yeah, don't forget to tune in every Friday when me and Will Chitch are looking at all of the films. Films? We're looking at all of the episodes of The Offer, the Paramount Plus limited series, where this Friday we'll be talking about episode two, Warning Shots. It's a lot of fun. We drink wine. We have a good time. And we talk about a TV show that is a lot of fun. So yeah, join us for that. So as always, guys, I have been Petros Patsimus, your guide the crazy world of the Coppola family tree. Remember to keep it caged in and I'll catch you next week. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, a Town Limery, Maine, franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.